Hello and welcome to The Flight Stuff, an Alpha Flight podcast. Thanks for joining us here for episode 19. My name is Liam O'Donnell, one of your co-hosts. My name is Adriana Gober, another one of your co-hosts. And I'm Doug Tilly. Is that how we introduced this show? I thought you were supposed to mention- <laughs> I don't remember. It's been so long. You're supposed to mention that you're like an editor of Cinepunks.com or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. We can do it that way. That's No, fine. no. I think you're fine. I think we got it across. <laughs> Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for com- coming on back to us here. We're so glad you've joined us. Uh, a lot of things have happened since the last time we recorded. Uh, you hopefully checked out episode 18, where we discussed uh, a new issue of Alpha Flight. Yes, Alpha Flight True North. And uh, we want to go ahead and thank everyone not only for checking out that episode, but a number of people uh, told uh, others to check out that episode 18. Uh, who, Doug, who are some of the people that recommended that episode to the to the general public? Well, uh, you mean the creators? Is that what you're trying to say? You're, you're speaking yeah. in riddles today, Liam O'Donnell. I can't remember exactly. I mean, that was pretty easy to follow. <laughs> I know it wasn't in Canada ease, but I'll work well, on it. Well, I mean, you know, we had a really strong positive response to that episode, and thankfully some of the creators of that comic uh, sent it out via their various social medias. I remember the names offhand of who did that, Liam. I feel like you kind of put me on oh, the spot. Oh, you monster. Max Dunbar was definitely one of them. I think Max Dunbar and Jim Zub. Yeah, of course. They're the superstars. Really, they're Honestly, my favorite uh, creators in that particular issue uh, are those two now. Uh, even though that might not correspond to what I actually said on the episode proper. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just really appreciate that. And uh, everyone who who lets people know to check out the podcast. We also want to highlight uh, uh, that we talked to uh, one Corey Mintz for The Walrus for this article that I have in front of me. The Secret Lives of Canadian Superheroes. Marvel's Alpha Flight made Canada cool in the 1980s. Following the Raptors Championship win, the comic is back. Uh, I thought this was a fun read. Uh, Adriana, what did you think of, of this? Are you uh, reviewing this article about? <laughs> well, I just thought it was cool. It was cool he's, to, he's to be He's just trying to get some conversation it. going, Doug. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that. I do I think. Know, I know, Doug. Doug, I know you hate talking to other humans, but that's just what we do on this podcast, all right? So get into the Liam, groove, man. I don't mean to criticize your hosting. I love you. I think you're terrific. But maybe you should explain what the walrus is to people who maybe have never heard of it before. Liam probably hasn't heard of it either, so. I actually have no idea what this is. If it wasn't on this thing in front of me, I wouldn't even know it existed. Who's Corey Mintz anyway? I think this is all made up. Doug, you wrote this, didn't you? Yeah, well, if I did, I'd have a lot more quotes for myself in it. Uh, <laughs> the, the Walrus is a monthly magazine available here in Canada. I don't know if, what it's, its availability in the U.S. is. Probably very limited. None. Uh, and, and it's also a uh, very well-respected uh, website here because it has a lot of uh, really interesting journalism about Canada, about pop culture, about all sorts of different things. And uh, yeah, recently we were contacted by Corey Mintz, a, uh, a actually a very wonderful writer uh, who was talking to us, all three of us, uh, in some form uh, about Alpha Flight, about their resurgence. And uh, this article was the result. And I think it's a terrific article, Liam, if we are reviewing it. And I think it's mostly terrific because it has some very uh, conscientious and very intelligent input from our very own Adriana Gober. Well, shucks. You did a very good job. It's a good quote. It, it made us sound smart. I really appreciate it. Which, you know, in the case of me and Doug, is quite an effort. Uh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna hop in here for issue 35. Uh, but again, thanks to, to Corey Mintz for hitting us up and letting us be a part of this, this article about Alpha Flight. So uh, issue 35 came out in June 1986. The cover is by Dave Ross. It was written by Bill Mantlo uh, with interior pencils by David Ross as well. Uh, I'll stop you for a second, Liam. Yeah. 
Well, I, David Ross is our first Canadian penciler for Alpha Flight. I think this is momentous, and I feel like you're just kind of glossing over it. it makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I also want to mention that uh, Corey uh, mentioned to us that we refer to Alpha Flight as the Alpha Flight uh, on a uh, regular basis, which I didn't think that we did. But now I feel incredibly self-conscious about it. Do I do that a lot? Do I say the Alpha Flight? I had to guess who was the person of the three of us who says it. It would probably be you, Liam. I'm good. I know I've never said the Alpha Flight. It's just you guys. Well, here's the thing. I'm known for my neologisms. So as far as I'm concerned, it is now the Alpha Flight. And people who don't say it that way are washed and old and no longer relevant. So keep that in mind, y'all. Start saying the Alpha Flight or be whack. All right, Doug. uh, What happens in this issue? Oh, we're we're just going to jump right to that, huh? Yeah, that's the plan. So the main thing about this issue, which is called The Child is Father to the Man, is that Marina is back. Uh, by which by which I mean she's being held by Atuma, you might remember from the last uh, issue proper, in order to lure Namor. And I, I guess we're just going to see where that goes. In fact, we'll find out a little bit about it in the next issue. Meanwhile, Puck, he's apologetic about doubting Heather's supersuit and is confused why she's ignoring his obvious pining for her and blames it on him being a dwarf. When it's actually because she suspects her late husband used her as a pawn to lure in Logan when he was first discovered. Uh, they head back to Tamarind Island where they find Doug Thompson upset about Snowbird's illness. You might remember that from the last issue as well. And they need Shaman's help to fix her. But Shaman is still on his vision quest. And it appears Bill Mantlo has been reading some Farley Mowat because Shaman sees some ghost caribou and some ghost mosquitoes. And he decides to get in tune with the Inu- Inuit people that his tribe used to feud with before Vikings murdered them all. He also runs into Talisman, also making a return in this issue, sort of. She may or may not be a ghost. <laughs> and he gets a new magic headpiece to replace his medicine bag. He uses his new magic to fight off the, some Viking skeletons. And then he returns to Alpha Flight headquarters wearing a brand new costume. It's very exciting, Liam. It kind of is designed as if it's the very first issue of Alpha Flight. There's so <laughs> much like backstory and explanation about who all these characters are. But in terms of a jumping on point, well... <laughs> We'll, t- we'll talk about whether it's a good jumping on point or not. Few comics have had as much and as little happen in one issue as this issue. But <laughs> before we get into that, let's talk about the cover here. Adriana, what did you think of the cover of issue number 35? This is an awesome cover. It's a, it's a nice action shot of Shaman battling uh, some reanimated skeletons with the talisman in the background casting some, some spells to aid him. And uh, it, it's just about... The most badass uh, imagery you could hope to see on a, an Alpha Flight cover. The perspective is interesting on it too. It's a sort of a a, a view from the periphery, a side view, um, and Shaman is on his back, uh, and he's sort of arching forward, uh, reaching out his arms to uh, keep the skeletons at bay. And um, the background color um, is this. Uh, sort of ominous green purple um blend uh that you know adds a nice mood to the piece the details on shaman's outfit are really nice too the fringes the line work for his hair is very fine and detailed um now this is this is a pretty solid cover Mm, mm. doug what do you think are you also stoked on this cover look if you know me doug tilly (laughs) you know I love skeletons like that. They're my favorite thing. I love them. And there's some fine looking skeletons on the cover of this issue of Alpha Flight. And I love how they are entangled with Shaman. He looks like we don't usually see 
shaman um, threatened in a very visible way where you see like the strain on his face and that he's fighting with all he has. And that's what you see on this cover. And that's what I really love about it. I do think the way that Talisman is incorporated is strictly to suggest, hey, Talisman is in this issue, which he is sort of. But the way that she looks on the cover, eh, it doesn't do a lot for me. Maybe it's because she's green for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, why is she like She-Hulk's cousin all of a sudden? <laughs> she is green. Well, I, please. I can, I can I actually suggest that uh, this is an issue of the color correction between the digital and the physical copy. Okay. Because I'm holding a physical copy and... You know, granted, there's probably some fading or whatever, but it seems pretty clear in the physical copy of my hand that everything is green. The skeletons are green. Shaman is green. The ground is green. Everything is green. And so it's weird that looking at the digital copy in our notes, that's not the case. She's green. Everything else is kind of blue. Huh. That's not how it looks in this physical copy at all. Mm. And I don't understand. Again, it could be a fading thing, but I really doubt it. I really think someone. I'm sure Rob Plass will be able to tell us exactly what the. What's going on? That would be great. And I would really like an explanation because just looking at this picture, I'm holding my hand. It looks like uh, it, it. what it feels like, Doug, is that there's a they're in a supernatural plane and something in this space that they're in. Everything is kind of greenish hue. Uh, there's a greenish hue to everything. Or like the energy blast is is emitting a light that is sort of casting a kind of shadow on everything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I do want to point out one little detail that I really like, which is that. There appears to be a third skeleton entering from the right frame with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Talisman thinks he's in trouble now, but that guy's joining the fray and then he's in a lot of trouble. I think it's because they, remi- they remembered afterwards, oh, right, they're Vikings. Someone put a sword in that guy's hand. Yeah. Uh, it, well, what I, the, the effect that creates for me is that this is, it feels like it's part of a larger, like, even though the fold is actually on the left-hand side, obviously, it feels like on the right-hand side, there's more picture. Yeah. Like, this is like a, like a larger thing we're not seeing. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I gotta say, I think I'm more in line with Adriana. I like this cover more a little bit than you, uh, but I think we're all on the same page that the, the skeletons are awesome. A, skeletons are awesome as a fact. That's just a cool thing to do. Agreed. If you want your thing to be cooler, <laughs> add skeletons. But, in this case, these particular skeletons, also awesome in what they're doing and seeing uh, Shaman struggle with them. The look on his face of, like, real grit. And I think also, like, looking at the physical copy I have, the white on his teeth in this in this uh, issue pops out in a such a way that it, it like, kind of makes his face look even more intense. Mm. I, like, really like it. I'm, like, super stoked on it, actually. But, yeah, it's a, it's a strong cover. It's a strong cover. Uh, I'm curious if we think the issue is as strong <laughs> as the cover is. Uh, Adrian, I'll start with you. Uh, what what did you like about this issue, and what maybe was not so great about the issue? I I think the highlight of this issue for me is the the progression of Shaman's storyline. We get a lot of moments of Shaman being a, a total badass, which I I can never get enough of. Long story short, he regains his powers. Uh, he goes on this sort of a, a spiritual quest uh, and has to contend with various spirits that are, you know, that his ancestors have put forth as a test for him. And uh, eventually he, he gets his powers back. Um, and then I guess 
I mean, some of the snowbird stuff was was kind of interesting, but overall, I think this issue is a miss for me. I mean, we have the Marina subplot, which I'm 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 just not invested in her storyline at all. I'm sorry, Doug. And then there's there's more like infuriating ableism with the way Mantlo writes Puck. Just I mean a lot of the a lot of the strange sort of um remarks about his height and also I mean there's a there's a very bizarre moment where um so so um Heather is is flying around with Puck and when they arrive back at um the Alpha Mansion all all of a sudden Puck has this panic because he's afraid that um, all of the other Alphans are going to see ha- him being carried by Heather, and that some this somehow undermines his masculinity. And I just thought that was so abs- absurd. Like John Burns Puck would be confident enough and secure enough in his masculinity to not care that people see him like being carried in Heather's arms. We've already talked about the way Puck has has been handled in these Mantlo issues, and he is just so out of character. I, I can't get used to it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be he's feeling more sensitive about it because he's feeling so, uh, I don't know, rejected by or not taken seriously by Heather. But it still doesn't sit right. It still doesn't seem like the puck that we've been asked to think exists prior to now. It's like all of a sudden it's he's a different person, and I, I'm having a, a hard time vibing with it at all. Doug, uh, obviously... We hate Marina, and so we are not uh, taking her seriously. <laughs> but you love Marina. Yes. But then again, your namesake in this issue was a real, uh, just a whiny guy. And, <laughs> and that gets worse in the next <laughs> issue. Uh, I, I, I'm just wondering how... Oh, yeah, man, Doug is awful. Yeah. Can, we, yeah, can yeah, we call yeah. him Douglas just to make sure we have <laughs> no. a distinction? Oh, no. In fact, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he is Doug Tilly now. I mean, you guys are basically the same dude. Uh, how- no, we should, call, we should call him Snowbird's lover, as Heather addresses him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, husband now. Thank you, Heather. We were married. Uh, Only married uh, for two Doug. weeks, though. That becomes a very important detail. In it's very important. 36. Very important. We'll get there. We'll get there. Doug, how did you feel about this issue and especially this extra extra dose of Marina content that we're getting? First, Liam, allow me to perform Puck's inner monologue while being carried by Heather. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Please do. Oh, this is going to be great. I've all but confessed my love to Heather, and yet she makes no response. Well, Judd, what did you expect? Some strange ladies may flirt with a freak, eh? But why would any normal woman dream of loving a lousy little dwarf? The issue with the Puck's lack of self-confidence is that it's been a consistent feature in almost every issue since Bill Mantlo came on. And we've already had Puck's backstory fiddled with in what I still consider a very uncomfortable and unpleasant way. And it just, it's hard to shake the feeling that either Bill Mantlo doesn't like the character or, I hate to say it, has some sort of issue with people of short stature and is kind of taking it out on this character. Uh, and that might be a, a real stretch in some ways. But the very fact that people are continuously referring to him or him to himself as like a freak and worthless and a dwarf, I mean, it really, it I really don't 
like how that feels and how that reads. And I really miss the puck that we had before. He really was my favorite character that wasn't named Marina in uh, the issues of Alpha Flight that we've covered so far. Now, Liam, when it comes to Marina, yes, look, this Namor subplot is terrible and I don't care about it. And honestly, it feels like it's just going to get worse going forward before it gets better. But we can push that aside for now. Right now, she's just being tortured (laughs) and basically being put to the side in her own book so she can be rescued by someone who's not part of the book. Um, So um, actually, maybe overall, I don't like that subplot whatsoever. What I do like is Shaman. I'm glad that he's finally returning to the fold. One element of this, and I have mixed feelings about it, I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on it, is there's an attempt in this issue to connect um, Shaman's indigenous heritage with the Inuit heritage that we have, at this point, felt a little uncomfortable with how Snowbird connects with that. But it looks like they, they there's some recognition of that, that the Inuit part of her um, of her persona is something that's sort of been lost in the shuffle and it doesn't give much representation. And not only do uh, d- does the majority of this issue and, and uh, next issue in some way, at least it's going forward, th- does that take place in the far north? Here it seems they're trying to reconcile his character a little bit. It is a little bit, I think, of a stretch. It doesn't feel like it coheres sensibly. And I would, again, love to hear an indigenous person's um, uh, thoughts on how they try to reconcile the fact that, you know, that that these were uh, tribes that that were feuding and then were wiped out. And that somehow allows him to have this connection to both of them. But I, I still think that there is something worthwhile there that at least this character is tying in to the Inuit people. Um, and that that's some place that they can uh, explore and hopefully not be incredibly offensive while they're doing it. It's just something that I kind of like as a little bit of a nod to the fact that they've been underserved in this book so far. Um, and again, I we're going to get to it when we talk about the art, but the other thing is that Shaman has new duds and a new kind of power set, which I don't really understand entirely. Is his medicine bag gone for good? Um, because I think at some point it must come back. But his new headpiece thing is pretty cool, and I want to get everyone's thoughts on the uh, on the costume too. But first, Liam, what did you think of... Uh, of the fact that you know they're they're trying to pull in, I think, I think they're trying to respectfully pull in more indigenous content and representation in the book. Well, and that's so. This is my thing, right? I need, I don't know if I need, but I would really appreciate someone uh, who has a little more knowledge's input on how this is working. Yeah, because on one hand, I think you're right. It is a. It is. One of the few things that I think Mantlo is getting right, because this is this whole issue is a big strikeout. Although I will say I disagree a little bit with the two of you about this Marina backstory, but only in that I am interested in the ongoings of Atlantis. And I know (laughs) I know that like this connects to a whole cross Marvel event uh, in the future. Uh. So like I think I'm just being a little bit biased because I'm like, I just want to see this develop and I want to see where this is going. So I'm a little more invested, which is by the way, shameful to admit. I just want Marina to go away most of the time. No, 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 no. The fact that I have any interest in a Marina subplot, like makes me feel like a real Mark, but my biggest difficulty Liam with this subplot happens in the next issue, not in this one, but there's this huge information dump that's to come. And it just, none of it makes any sense to me because I have no background or particular interest in, I know. 
I mean, I like Namor as a character, but more as, you know, the guy who's just like openly a jerk to all the heroes, not King of Atlantis and all of his family and all their feud. They're fussing and feuding, as you know. Right. I, I, I'm kind of more interested in that stuff. So that's why I think I'm, I'm a little more, to- I'm a little more tolerant of this subplot. Though I'll admit right now it isn't going anywhere. Uh, and all the stuff with Puck and Heather is just offensive. Like we've basically murdered the Puck that we love and we've replaced him with this guy who just is always carrying this burden that the whole reason he's a punching bag now the whole reason puck was interesting is because he wasn't self-conscious the whole point was that he was like i'm fun and i do what i want and i'm not intimidated by anyone and people don't take me seriously because of my size but it doesn't matter because i'll beat the crap out of him because i'm puck and now he's not that and it's so boring it's so not interesting um Going back to your original question, though, the, the the issue with me and the shaman stuff is I get that it's an attempt to make him more uh, legitimately connected to the, the, the people that we associate him with, especially the costume. Like, the costume, it takes a sudden turn, I feel. It's suddenly – it's it looks like something someone would wear when it was cold, which has been the problem with both he and Talisman's outfits, right? They don't represent people who live in snow and ice. They, they, you know, they both have a lot of exposed skin for people who are living in in icy climes. Well, BC isn't necessarily the coldest place in the world, Liam O'Donnell. Look, look, look. If it's north of Boston, it's too cold for me. That's all I'm saying. All right, you hear what I'm saying right now? It might as well be the Arctic Circle uh, up there. I don't, I, I don't care. But, but you know, the 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 point here though is is not even to say that. Uh, it works in that way. It's that I get that it's an effort. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, something I respect that Mantlo is trying to make that effort. I just don't know if it's successful because I don't know enough about the culture that it's relating to. It might be worse. This outfit might actually be the worst possible choice. You know what I mean? Like this power set might be even worse than if he just had the magical medicine bag. And honestly, I kind of like the magical medicine bag. Yeah, me too. and I'll say that the actual functionality of eaglet headdress that talks to him, <laughs> just right. Re- if this issue represents how that eaglet headdress is going to work into the future, I am not in at all. I don't need this this awkward back and f- the dialogue that he has with his own hat. It, it's basically his hat comes to life and he talks to it. That did not work on a narrative level in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and I hope they abandon it into the future. I don't need everything. Something happens has had to go, well, Shaman, what are you going to do now? Which of your many spirits are you going to call forth? And Shaman goes, well, I don't know, Eaglet. That's a good question. Let me think about it. I think I'm going to choose the wind spirit. And Eaglet goes, I don't know about that. Well, let's see how it works. But remember, Shaman, you can't tell the spirit what to do. No, 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 no. It's, it's awkward. It's annoying. It doesn't work for me. And then honestly, made what I should have been stoked on which is more shaman content I honestly was annoyed with it by the end until his big dramatic entrance which I thought was kind of cool when he shows up and he's like I'm here where's my patient that was kind of cool yeah uh when he's actually <laughs> fighting the Vikings and he's talking about it with the with the eagle with not even eagle an eaglet no none of that was cool it was awkward it bummed me out I I just want to be fun I thought that was fun I, too I, I like the idea that are you kidding? He brought like stone people to life to fight with Viking skeletons. I, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I look. I, I, 
this is I'm more than willing to say that this is a matter of taste that y'all this this flavor worked for y'all and it didn't work for me. <laughs> but for me, the flavor of tedious narration, not even narration, dialogue between two people about what's going to happen over and over and oh no, it was too much. I did not like it. And I just, I'd rather him just reach in the bag and pull out some magic buttons and throw them at somebody. That to me was cooler than, than all that, that was going on in that part of the issue. I just want to mention briefly, there is um, some quotes from Farley Mowat's book, People of the Deer. I was going to say this for Canada facts, but I know that everyone loves that too much to wait. Farley Mowat being one of Canada's uh, most renowned and beloved writers, uh, and a writer who lived in Newfoundland for quite a while, I should mention, uh, though ended up hating Hating Newfoundland. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole long story. Farley Mowat, of course, best known probably for Never Cry Wolf. This book is specifically focused on the plight of the Inuit people in the 1940s and 50s. But the the only reason I'm bringing it up is the idea that this is still a uh, – even though Farley Mowat was a beloved writer and I think he was embraced very much by the indigenous peoples that he wrote about, this is still a colonizer perspective. You know, right. on and yeah. so this is a white man's eyes who who is writing about these people instead of them being able to tell their own stories, and that's also what we're encountering in the issue that we're struggling with a little bit. And so it's kind of like twice removed from what the reality of that situation might be. You know, what would be really amazing is to see you know an indigenous writer write Alpha Flight at some point. Right. Hey, yeah, that could happen. We're opening that door. Alpha Flight's back, but. uh just wanted to bring it up because it is, you know, it is something I think we've been struggling with this comic since since the very early issues. And uh, it's something we kind of haven't been talking about recently because Shaman has kind of been shuffled off and now he's back. And now it's something we're going to have to talk about again. I mean, I, I just want to be clear, though. I do think that the, the bar is low enough that Mantlo making an effort <laughs> is already a, a positive in my mind, especially since I mean, that's fair in enough. so many places he's kind of screwed up so bad. And I just want to <laughs> highlight that, that I respect that. The problem is, again, even as much as I can say that, I also have to acknowledge that that effort – could also be bad, you know, that he could also be adding something in that is purely uh, a stereotype or purely, uh, you know, not exactly working um, in the efforts that he thinks it is. So it's it's hard for us to know right now. And I look forward to us hopefully having a guest on who we can sort of ask them about this issue and a few others where we say, you know, is this working or is this actually, you know, going against the goals of what? Because I, I think it is intentional. It's it, it to me is clearly an intentional effort to improve the character. That doesn't mean yeah. that yeah. it's successful. <laughs> So I don't know uh, anything else about the events of the issue before we jump into the art. I want to talk about the art, Liam. What do you think about this art? I know you were <laughs> stoked. Here we got finally a Canadian, a Canadian uh, a penciler. How do you think the art worked in this issue? I like the art in this ah. issue. Ah. Uh, <laughs> hey, we, that, I think we all agreed we like the cover. It's by the same guy. It's true. The, some of the characters feel... A little off model from what we're used to, but it does continue. I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the elements of action that were uh, kind of of uh, originated in John Burns' uh, run. And look, right now I want a penciler that is going to stay on for a while. I actually don't know how long David Ross stays on as the penciler of this. I hope for a little while. And I do think that he captures most of the characters very well. 
And I think he particularly captures the shaman part of the issue, which has a lot of landscapes, a lot of uh, action um, it, it, involving animals. There's a great part where he swims inside a fish and cuts himself uh, out of it, which I think comes out really well. I I think that the the nature aspects of this, he captures really, really well. And I think it's admirable how it, it's presented in it. The rest of it, I mean, this issue has a lot of people just standing around talking, and that's never going to be that exciting. Uh, it's not the most experimental artwork, uh, even compared to John Byrne's work. So, I mean, you know, so far, I think, so good. I hope he can take it into more interesting places. Adriana, what did you think of the art? Did it work for you? Were there things that you liked or things that you particularly didn't like? How did you feel about uh, about this issue? Now, I get, I'm pretty much on the same same page as Doug, although there there were a few instances of Ross getting pretty creative like there's a uh, it's on page th- page three there's a panel that shows um various Atlantean architecture and then there is like an image of Namor and Marina kissing superimposed on top of it so they are they're transparent and you see I, I don't know it just looks really cool I do want to say Liam that that while I really like as you mentioned when Shaman arrives at the end and by the way, does he say I'm come? <laughs> shaman is come. Is that what he says? I think he says shaman is come. Shaman is come. <laughs> he says that at the end for some reason. But the perspective on him when he arrives, it's supposed to be this big moment. But there's something just a little off. I think it's because they're trying to show off his new costume and his new, you know, staff and the eaglet and things like that all in once. But just the way that his right arm looks is a little bit squat and kind of funky looking. But like that, I think that's kind of a minor complaint overall um and i I, again i don't know if uh the penciler was involved in the redesign of shaman's costume it's it's growing on me i kind of like the the black and white color scheme on it yeah i uh as far as the new costume i have mixed feelings um i like the black and white color scheme i like the design i do like that it it you know it at least functions in the cold, like it acknowledges that you might be cold and you might need to have a jacket when it's cold. Uh, but I, I also don't know. I don't love the eye makeup aspect yeah. of it. Um, oh, I, that's like my favorite part. <laughs> see, I don't. I don't I love, love this it. like glam shaman. All of a sudden, see, I, okay. If I take it as glam, I do kind of like it. I've, I when I first saw it, I was kind of like, uh, he's like a crying cloud right now. Like I don't. I don't. I don't know. I look. I I think my my only hesitation. I think I like it overall. My only hesitation is, I really like that medicine pouch, y'all. I really like it. I really like the idea of a void he reaches into and pulls stuff out. And so to replace it with, uh, you're just uh, hoping, Liam, that one point he's going to reach in and Kristar is going to come out and his people are just going to jump out. And all, I'm the is, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, we re- we replace the the medicine pouch with. <laughs> Uh, with a magic staff and Squawky the talking hat. I don't know if I'm totally stoked on that right now. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> on the other hand, like I said, I do like the black and white. Uh, you know, I'm actually a little mixed on the art overall on this issue. There are a few things I actually really liked. Uh, I thought the opening page with Marina was pretty good. Uh, I, I agree with Adriana that, that um, the architecture in uh, um, uh, is pretty Atlantis. good. In Atlantis, with the with the them sort of faded over top, I appreciate that. But there are other parts that I, you know, I didn't love. 
Um, I actually felt like the scene when Heather first discovers that, you know, or doesn't discover, but it's sort of led into the room where Snowbird is freaking out. Um, I, I thought that whole image just felt a little off to me. Uh, the page before, there's a scene where uh, Doug Tilly, as we're calling him now, or or Snowbird's lover, uh, shakes hands with um, <laughs> with Heather, and he looks a little off to me there. Uh, the the uh, I don't know. So there's a few scenes where I don't love what I'm looking <laughs> at, but then on the other hand, there's a few scenes where I, I kind of do. So I guess I, I'm not disagreeing with you guys overall, but I, the parts that I don't like in this issue, I really didn't like. Um, does he stick? I guess we'll find this out in a little bit, but uh, I, you know, I, I feel like maybe his art improves over time, but th- this issue was kind of a mixed bag for me art-wise. Uh, anything else we want to talk about before we jump on to issue number 36? I just want to say, this issue kind of sucks, you know? It's yeah. not good. <laughs> that's I don't think that's something we've really uh, hammered home. Like, the plot is not good. Even though I do want Shaman back, it just feels like a lot of wheel spinning. And, uh, but every complaint I have about this issue is sort of double in the next one. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to finding out about that. Yeah. I mean, I, in case it wasn't clear, I don't think any of us loved issue 35. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a couple of things about it that I think you could lift up, but, but it's not great. Uh, so, uh, we're, let's go ahead and jump on into Alpha Flight number, uh, issue 36 from July 1986. This cover was actually by, uh, Mike Mignola and Al Milgram, uh, written by Bill Mantlo and interior pencils by David Ross. Uh, Doug, what happens in this issue entitled Labor Pains? A lot, Liam. <laughs> this is a pretty action-packed issue uh for better or for worse so the big thing is that snowbird is pregnant she's apparently somehow eight months pregnant or at least appears to be eight months pregnant despite her and doug thompson only having been married for two weeks because they obviously couldn't have been doing anything before that uh meanwhile the prince of atlantis and namor's half-brother bira if that's how you pronounce it he's trying to sneak into the avengers mansion via the east river but ends up fighting the black knight liam's favorite character And then Namor shows up to beat the hell out of him and unload just a ton of exposition that I could not... Anyway, we'll talk about that. So Bera is just actually there to tell Namor about Marina's being kidnapped. So he leaves, abandons uh, some potentially helpful Avengers, including Hercules, who was like, hey, I can help. And he's like, no, I don't need your help. I'm Namor. Uh, So he goes off to retrieve Marina, even though it's an obvious trap. Back at Alpha Flight headquarters, Doug Thompson is moping around and Puck comes out to tell him about how his wife was conceived to lighten the mood. Doug does not respond well to that. Uh, He suspects that Snowbird was only with him to bind herself more closely to the mortal realm. He also calls the members of Alpha Flight freaks, uh, which is not very nice. Uh, So Shaman then confers with the spirits of the house uh, and then some ancient gods. And finally, Doctor Strange makes an appearance. Uh, to direct him to a place of power where Snowbird's god baby must be born. So they return to the headquarters only to discover that Doug Thompson is wielding a shotgun <laughs> and threatening to take Snowbird to a hospital. Uh, and they talk him down and Shaman sweeps her off to Beachy Island, uh, which may house some ancient evil. The next issue is called Death Birth, and that, uh, that sounds worrisome for what is going to happen to this baby. But for now, yeah, Snowbird is pregnant. Doug Thompson is crazy (laughs) yeah yeah there's a lot here let's start with this cover uh i I, you know i feel like we should be stoked it's a return of our our good buddy uh but i don't know i don't know what you guys are gonna say adriana 
do you like this cover? Are you stoked on this cover? Well, I mean, the first thing that got my attention with this cover was the big announcement uh, that the Avengers and Doctor Strange <laughs> will be appearing in this issue. So that just told, told tells me that they were really wanting to sell copies. I'm just glad that they gave us the most famous and beloved Avengers. Oh, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for Black Knight 3 coming out in 2020. Doug, what other than uh, other than our our good thick boy uh, box there representing <laughs> with his with his thick 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 thighs? Mm. Uh, what is there really to say about this cover? The thing about this cover is that it perfectly represents the comic that's within it. Not in the sense of there's ever what we see on this cover actually comes to pass in any real way, but like this cover is all horse, no cattle. Right? It makes these big right. promises. Avengers, Doctor Strange, action-packed. Look, the team all fighting together. And the Avengers that you get are Black Knight and Hercules in the background. Doctor Strange, you don't even get to see him in his physical form in this issue. And everyone in the Alpha Flight basically just stands around talking about what's going on with Snowbird. It, it, I like the cover because I like these group shots. I think I've been begging since this uh, series started 35 issues ago uh, for for the group to work together and do, you know, have some real adventures together. And this kind of promised that. And then nothing really lived up to the expectations of this cover. So I think it's well drawn. I actually love how Puck looks. Mignola draws a really cool Puck, I think. Um, but uh, but overall, um, because it's because it doesn't really, even though it reflects, I think, how this issue is in terms of disappointment, it doesn't actually represent the content of the issue. Um, it, it just feels a little empty. I mean, I think it's well drawn. I think it looks cool, but it, it's really nothing more than that. Yeah, other than uh, Shaman's new outfit, you could put this cover on like a million different issues of Alpha Flight. You know what I mean? Like, uh, except Marina isn't there, so no, you couldn't. Yeah, most issues of Alpha Flight, you could put this on the cover. <laughs> Um, which is funny because, uh, you know, there's at least discussion of Marita in the comics. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, if she was on the cover, it would be completely unjustified. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> it just feels like a very stock image that, you you know, again, if it wasn't for the specificity of this new outfit for Shaman, it's like, yeah, you know, it's just a thing for – if you had told me, like, this was a commission that Mignola did at, like, a comic convention for a fan – I'd be like, yeah, sure. Because sure. it's just something, it, it, it would fit any issue. It has no real specificity to it. I guess I like how it looks, you know? Like, I'm not saying that makes it a bad image, but it just feels so generic in a sense. Um, yeah. Even even if, again, I, I agree with you. I like the way Puck looks. Like I said, Box is, is a real sexy robot. Um, but otherwise it just doesn't and it and it kind of doesn't represent what's in the issue in the sense that we get this like super active snowbird when the whole point of the issue right. is that she's suffering and she's in this real bad spot <laughs> anyway so um yeah I, don't, I didn't even think of that Jeez. yeah there's no actual battle they're going into battle and this is specifically a not battle issue which is fine it doesn't need to have a battle in it but it just is funny it just makes the cover seem that much more Unnecessary. Where do you think Doug Thompson got that shotgun? Did he bring it with him on his plane? I guess he just has a shotgun at all times, just in case. I mean, I guess he that's kind of warranted. Alpha Flight members do have a history of freaking out and attacking people uh, and causing more destruction than they stop. But still, it, 
it's so weird to see a character that is supposed to ostensibly be a good guy holding Alpha Flight hostage at gunpoint. He's just terrible all throughout this issue. Look, he's a loving husband. What can you say? I think, I think, okay, okay. I want to get into Doug because I do think you have to pay for the sins of Doug Thompson, Doug Tilly. But Douglas let's get, Thompson. Let's get more to the point here, which is that that scene, the very first scene where we're really seeing that Doug is losing his stuff. He's like really just losing it right now. Um, the pajamas going on is what we need to talk about right now because hey, now. we've got we've got Puck apparently sleeps in his tidy blacks. Aurora is obviously just in sort of like a, 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 a halter and her underwear. But what is going on with this long teddy bear shirt that Heather apparently sleeps in at night? And then what were Box and Jeffrey's doing so early in the morning that they're fully dressed and, and ready to go, whereas everyone else looks like they just fell out of bed? I feel like they were up all night drinking. That's the only explanation I have for that whole scene. Um, <laughs> they were doing science. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's funny the idea that, like, you know, we see Snowbird and, and she's attacking this animal. And then it's like, I'm so something in me is going so wrong that the sweet, sweet blood of this dead buddy is just not as life giving as it normally would be. It's it's a bit of a dramatic decision for the beginning of this issue. I I, I don't know. Um uh let's start with you, Doug. Um uh-huh. you've already suggested that maybe this isn't your favorite issue of Alpha Flight. Uh what what did you like about it and what did you find, I don't know, less than satisfactory? Look, I actually where they're going with Snowbird is curious to me, and I am interested and engaged with it. She is not my favorite character, but I feel like there's this, this is a new wrinkle. Uh, I kind of like the fact that Doug Thompson is a jerk. I know that that sounds terrible, but what I mean is they got to get rid of him, and this seems like a good way to eventually do that. <laughs> um, the problem I have really with this issue is that this Avengers stuff seems so disconnected from the story that we're following on Alpha Flight. I'm sure it's going to come together in the next couple of issues in some way. But I mean, it basically is let's stop the entire action to watch a guy that we have never been introduced to break into the Avengers mansion. This is something that I always find funny in comic books, which is okay. The whole thing here is that Namor is going to refuse the help of the Avengers. So it's not like you have to waste some of the very popular members on him. All he has to say is no Iron Man, no Captain America. I mean, I don't know who necessarily is a member of the Avengers at this point. But, like, you know, the the, the top-tier members, all he has to say is, I don't want your help, and then leave. But instead, we get these second stringers. It's a wonder that Wonder Man doesn't come out and be like, I'll come with you, Namor. But it's it just doesn't – it that whole section, it just goes on and on. It holds zero interest to me at all, even if it does mean my beloved Marina will re-enter the fold in the very near future. And then this – Lengthy, and I hate to say this, I really do, because I was missing Shaman, and I'm glad that he's back. This thing where he confers with the house spirits and then these elder gods, like, A, I don't know if that's offensive, what this is presenting. I know we've already talked about that, so I'm not going to belabor it, but it, it seems like it doesn't fit with what we know so far. They're trying to add some mystery to the building that they're all staying in, which to me, it's like, right. that's a little too little too late, and I don't really... This, this, just let them have a mansion that they can stay in that isn't haunted by old ghosts. I mean, that's fine. And then they talked, he talks to like the kind of major gods and they're all like peeved. Like they're upset at Snowbird. And I didn't really realize that that's how they felt either. 
And then the Doctor Strange thing, I mean, did all he wanted was Doctor Strange to show him a place that she could give birth to this baby? I mean, I guess that's that's something, but it's not the most, you know, um, it's not the most inspiring use of Doctor Strange. And the fact that Heather tags along the whole time and is just like, what am I even doing here? Do I belong here? It's just like, just get over it, Heather. <laughs> Honestly. The entire thing just seems reverse engineered around Doctor Strange. Like Bill Mantle really wanted to have Doctor Strange appear in one of these issues. So he just thought, how can I make this happen? And then we wind up with the house spirits and all of this other stuff. I mean, I admit, I do like the idea of Shaman and Doctor Strange. Like, they have the capability of working together because they share, you know, a common kind of tapping into these mystical forces. And I wish that that was explored. But, hey, show me where this woman can give birth is not, I don't give a a damn about any of that. So what I want to say, Liam, is I have mixed feelings about this issue. Bordering on negative. (laughs) Yeah, I feel exactly the same way as you with regards to... um you know the whole Avenger Avengers appearance and Marina and Namor subplot in this uh, issue. It just, as you said, it just feels completely disconnected from everything else, and it's it, it's a disruption. And also, it doesn't help that I'm not invested in in their storyline anyway. So, one th- one important detail I think we really need to hone in on is this issue of of Snowbird's pregnancy. So there's like a big whammy moment where Shaman is explaining the symptoms that uh, Snowbird is experiencing. And he basically says, you know, you don't have need to worry about anything, Doug, because it seems like all of these symptoms are fairly normal for a goddess who is going to have a baby. <laughs> and that transitions in, in the ne- the very next panel. We see Snowbird lurching in from the the cold and she is very pregnant like she did not look that pregnant earlier um as, as somebody actually points out you know uh it was a north star says that there was no indication that she was with child like as recently as yesterday but the the key revelation here for me <laughs> is apparently snowbird can, snowbird can't be pregnant because she and Duck have only been married for two weeks. <laughs> In his own words. But we've only been married two weeks. So are are we just supposed to believe that they have not had sex at all before they were married? Because I'm pretty sure... Uh, it was heavily implied otherwise in, in previous issues. Uh, look... This is a difference between Burn and Mantlo, right? Burn is like I just feel like Burn is constantly thinking like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, <laughs> and Mantlo's like, no, no, there is not. Well, it's interesting because in some ways I agree, but then uh, later on in this issue, or maybe it's earlier, but at some point, like we get another very unsubtle hint towards you know, North Star sexuality. Oh, And yes. so it seems like... <laughs> we haven't had one for a while, so I was glad to see right. something. <laughs> but so it seems like, you know, Mantle kind of like picks and chooses like what he's going to hint at and what he's not. And it's just strange. So I uh, so I, I want to uh, I want to highlight that I think I slightly disagree with you guys as to the strong negative response to the Avengers. <laughs> 
even though it, it's second string Avengers and even though the writing in that whole scene is bad. It's bad writing. There's nothing else to say about that. However, it was moments, those were very precious moments where I wasn't seeing Doug Thompson. And I just <laughs> treasured every moment in this comic where Doug Thompson was not present. Fair. Uh, and I feel like, so this, so so I think, and, and I wonder if this is relates to what we were talking about with Puck, but at least here with Doug Thompson, what it felt like to me was Mantlo reaching for a little bit of that X-Men shine in that as mutants, the X-Men are constantly being sort of like, you know, uh, subjected to people's prejudices and assumptions about them. But for example, the Avengers deal with that a bit less occasionally. Sure. Uh, depending on which Avenger it is. But a lot of times, at least in the Avengers I've read, Thor walks into a room, no one's like, look at this dumb freak. They're like, hey man, what's up? You know, big, big, big burly guy. You know, (laughs) people are interested in that. Doug sort of being like, you freaks, you know, like turning on them in this very specific way feels to me like they're trying to, that Mantlo is trying to get a little bit of that X-Men, X-Men, uh, oppression complex let me liam give a dramatic reading of doug thompson's monologue to, to yes Puck, please where he's <sighs> speaking about his frustrations <laughs> he says she stayed and she told me it was because she sought to know what being human being normal was like she asked me to teach her to be a woman <laughs> i tried but then she came back to alpha flight to her fellow freaks where nothing is normal or ever will be and now this pregnancy I don't want your sympathy, midget, or the flight's help, or the blasted baby. All I want is my wife back. The worst part about that speech to me is, as I'm reading it, I'm feeling revulsion. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm suspecting that Mantlo is like, come on, you get where he's coming from, right? Hey, reader, right? reader you understand. <laughs> this guy's just frustrated. He doesn't understand. I mean, I'm not saying he's right, but you understand his perspective. And I'm like, no, I don't understand his perspective at all. What a what a monster. I hate him. The worst thing is that he's wearing those puffy RCMP pants with the big... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And he looks very, very odd, especially next to, to Puck, who is incredibly stylish in his little <laughs> Canadian tuxedo getup. <laughs> I think what's happening with Doug and... This issue and and a little bit in the previous issue is the same thing that's happening with Puck, which is that, Liam, you touched on it, which is that Mantlo is trying to create some kind of dramatic tension. But Mantlo is not really carrying on with the established characterization uh, from, from, from Burns issues. And so Doug was never this much of a jerk. I mean, he was shocked once he realized the truth about Snowbird, but he got on board with it pretty quickly. And it's just not consistent with, with what we've seen from him, like his, his, his behavior in this issue. And so it's kind of jarring. It seems even like inconsistent as of a few issues ago when Bill Mantlo himself was still writing it. You know, the idea that he brings, he brings her to the, the, uh, the Alpha Flight headquarters. <laughs> I call them the Alpha Flight. Um, and delivers her there for help. And then they provide it. And that seems to make him more and more upset. But you're absolutely right, Adriana. This this is not the Doug Thompson we've been introduced to before, who seemed 
fairly meek, but I think his defining attribute was he was just overwhelmed by everything and overwhelmed in right. sort of a sympathetic way, right? I mean, he's trying to have this relationship with a god who may or may not be underage. But aside from all that, he seems like he tries to do the right thing. But here, I mean, he is just completely unhinged. Again, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the fact that he pulls a shotgun on Alpha Flight is mm-hmm. is is both the most amusing thing for me of this entire issue, and also just like it it basically destroys his character for all time going forward. Like you cannot he cannot be sympathetic at any point in the future. It feels to me personally like um like Mantlo is so much more interested in the drama of a moment that he's trying to create than he is in. Uh, integrity of the characters like he doesn't really seem to care how doug was written in the past not just by burn but by himself because for him it makes sense that uh in this scenario you would be upset and yell at puck and then do something dramatic like each thing doesn't really make sense for the people involved even if you describe it like i could see a scenario where a husband or a lover would react this way like what he, what happens is like it makes sense in a sense it just doesn't make sense for this character and right. that happens 100%. into the future like would a character who was feeling spurned by someone he was trying to express his affection for act petulantly yes but not puck like other characters would do that but we've already established puck has had a lifetime of learning that acting like a petulant child is not actually a helpful way to be in the world <laughs> and in fact i believe that he would know that more than any other person on the team and yet right. uh, he's gonna jump out of her arms and like he doesn't want them to see him like a baby like what the heck is going on here i i just think that mantlo seems as a writer uninterested in the longevity of these character traits and more interested in just creating these dramatic moments issue to issue uh, than he is with a long-term storyline. Yeah, I totally agree. Oh man. Well, before I, I think we should just jump in the art. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a lot more to say here other than I want to go back and reaffirm what you said, Doug, the entire, you know, we're supposed to believe that Shaman is now more powerful, right? That he has this new power. That That's the dramatic moment that we were given. But it seems to me that before, he reached into a void in his pocket and pulled out what he needed. Now, he begs petulant supernatural creatures to help him, and they mostly <laughs> tell him to hit the, hit the road. You know, like he just he just talks to things and, you know, one spirit is like, oh, yeah, I like you, buddy. Sure, I'll help you out. Most of the time, people are just telling him, like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not here for you. This is not – I'm not interested in this. So I, I don't think that's helpful. I don't think that's really doing what we think it is, which is, like, giving him new amazing powers. So I don't know. Let's talk about the art. Adriana, what do you think of the art in this issue? I don't really have that much to say about the art this issue. I think it was kind of on par with the art from the previous issue. And, you know, there were there were no real dramatic differences. So uh, I think it was, you know – serviceable yeah i'm inclined to agree doug did anything stand out to you about the art in this issue i do really like how it starts i do think that the the way that that snowbird is presented in her owl form hunting i really like that i think it's it's it has a lot of character and a lot of uh tension in it and honestly it's just really well drawn um and i feel like snowbird's um animal forms is something that has not been served well in the series up to this point. And I, 
even, uh, you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about in the issue before this is that Snowbird is in this constant pain and she's sort of transforming and getting stuck in between. And I really like that, too, how that's presented in the issue proper. So, you know, I, I think that that uh, David Ross has a real handle on animals. And that's really the only positive thing I have to say. It's again, it's not that the art is bad. It's that the issue is bad. And that the art doesn't help. There's not no re, real reason that it can uh, it can buoy up the 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 content that we're left with here. I guess I like how when Shaman is getting in touch with the elders and things like that, it it looks kind of interesting. But frankly, I, I surprised I'm even saying this. John Byrne would have done that in a lot more visually interesting way. I mean, this is what I'm thinking. You know, you highlighted this very first panel of this issue. And I feel like with Ross, there's a couple of moments that I think are very, very good, actually. Like, I think that that is a very good one. I also think a few panels on the close-up of Snowbird eating the yeah. – I think it's a rabbit that, you know, she she's eating. And even then, uh, the just the first panel where we see the, the awful, awful human who is Doug Thompson freaking out, I even like that. But – those strong moments then highlight for me how his serviceable art feels like a letdown then like it's not that the other parts are bad but knowing that he could be doing stuff that was more interesting makes me frustrated how often he's not doing that how often it feels like it's to my taste at least very basic the most basic thing it just gets across the message it doesn't work as well as it could i don't know i i just felt with both these issues not quite like they were bad but just a little disappointed i just wanted a little bit more from them art wise uh but then again the story is not great so maybe it doesn't matter the art's not going to save the story i also want to highlight one more thing i thought was particularly good the very last panel where we see what uh we can assume is the danger at play in the next issue that is a very effective image that is in fact for me and i don't know about y'all maybe it's less effective but for me that that's kind of a nightmare image right there yeah that that's very it's 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 effectively creepy for sure so seeing things like that that I think are very strong, though, makes me kind of wish that um, there was just more ch- more chance taking, more doing things that were kind of out there. Just because I think yeah. he, I think he could. Obviously, the skill is there. Obviously, he 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 does stuff that's really interesting. But sometimes it's just a couple of the panels that just feel very serviceable more than anything else. I mean, I think there's there are signs of life, and that's important because. The hope is that he, as he gets more comfortable, if he stays on for a while on this run, that maybe, you know, that that he can capture that on a more regular basis. The other thing is we haven't really seen him do action. I mean, yeah, there's that fight in the Avengers mansion, but, you know, we haven't really seen large scale action from this uh, this penciler yet. So that's the thing I'm really holding out for. Yeah, I feel you. Um, Doug, do you have any Canada facts for us uh, for, for this issue? We already talked about Farley Moet, again, a legendary Canadian author who, I mean, again, if you are interested in both historical writing and certainly uh, uh, writing from the perspective of the natural landscape of Canada, you could uh, certainly do a lot worse than reading his work. But also, I just want to mention quickly, the end of this uh, issue mentions that 
the place, the magical place that Snowbird must give birth, is Beachy Island, which is a real place. It's an island located in the uh, Canadian Arctic. Uh, uh, it's part of Nunavut. And uh, it's, uh, it again, we talked about the last issue about the far north of Canada, about that be- being represented a little more uh, in the content of the book. Well, Nunavut is, is something that uh, we saw recently in the issue of True North in our last episode, and now it's getting uh, brought up here again. Hey, you know what? Canada's a big place. The more varied the locations uh, that, that we explore in this book, the happier I am. It just makes me feel like, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get to go back to Newfoundland. Gosh, I hope not. Anyways, thanks for that, Doug. I really appreciate it. Uh, well, uh, and we want to thank you, uh, audience, for listening, for checking us out. We really appreciate it, uh, and we're stoked for you to come back for next episode. We'll be discussing issues 37 and 38. I'll go ahead and say now a little bit of a spoiler. 37 was, I think, the first monthly issue of Alpha Flight I purchased in my life. So I'm stoked to talk about it. Uh, Adriana, if people want to follow us on the old Twitter, how would they do that? Uh, they can find us at Flight Stuff Pod. And what if they want to shoot us an email? Flight Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Doug, uh, what if people want to follow you on Twitter for some unbearable reason? You can follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. And Adriana, what if they want to follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at E A D X B B. Uh, and you can, of course, follow Cinepunks at Cinepunks on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's P-U-N-X. Uh, check out some of the other podcasts we have uh, on the network. Uh, we also want to thank all of our Patreon supporters, uh, and we want to welcome uh, a new show to the network called uh, Fat Girl Hacks, a, a fun, body-positive conversation between three women talking about their lives. And uh, I find it funny and charming, and I hope you will, too. Check that out. Uh, and um, Go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to this uh, show on iTunes or wherever else you find five podcasts. Uh, and I guess if for some reason you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, thanks again uh, for checking it out. And Flight Stuff out. Out! Out!